Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Brian E. Roach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name's Joe Kuzma, and joining me here late this week, usually this is for a pregame, but we did the pregame in the middle of the week without a postgame, but now we have a postgame instead of a pregame, but he's here anyways. I want Mr. Brian e. Roach. Have I confused you enough yet, Brian? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> hey, um, Pittsburgh Steelers, Thursday night. Just, um, we were sitting here just a few days ago trying to figure out how the hell they could even compete in a game that ended up eking out a 20 to 16 victory. And it looks like maybe some things are headed in the right direction. Of course, that's not going to stop people from complaining, but on a short week, Pittsburgh Steelers get it done at home. 2016 over the Tennessee Titans climbed to their fifth win, five and three on the season. Could have been six and three if we could have saw maybe some of this with the offense. I saw you tweet out yesterday. It was the most, it was one of the funniest things. We're going to jump around a lot because there's a lot to jump around to. Of course, things aren't perfect, but you asked, you said, is this preseason again? Was that like a hinting toward the offensive explosion that we saw? Yes, that's all. That's exactly the reason I said, is this preseason again? It's because what, what did we see in preseason? We saw a precise, we saw a concise, we saw a executing at a high-level offense that just went right down the field and scored touchdowns, right? That's what we saw in the preseason. And then preseason ended, and we never saw it again. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were prom- that was what we were promised. And we went in here, and we said the Steelers were going to be like, when we did this initial like record prediction, it was like 13-3, and three, and you know we had them pretty far along at this point. You did, you did warn everyone about the Houston Texans, and you were, you were right, my friend. Um, one, there's a lot to jump around with because prediction wise, it was like, neither of us liked Will Levis in this whole process of things. Didn't look too shabby. I was just, no, no, he looked better than I thought he would. Yeah. Um, but I was still waiting for him to turn the ball over, especially on the final drive. And what really, really stands out in this game are the first and last drives. And I think that's where we need to attack this to start. Um, I think also to prefer it the preface a little bit. Well, we'll preface all sorts of things. There was a lot of changes, a lot of things that got changed in this game. Let's talk about that real quick before we jump to these two drives. One was Broderick Jones, big man, the left tackle, the Steelers really needed to go out and get traded up to pick 14 in the draft this year, made a swap with new England, screwed over the jets just to play it, not play him pretty much except for injury and then put him in as a right tackle and it worked and it looked good. It worked pretty well. Yeah, not only pretty well, to the tune of, you had um, Jalen Warren led Steelers 11 carries, 88 yards. I'm going to surmise that both of these are season highs for these guys, both Jalen Warren and I would imagine. I didn't look, but I'm just going to guess that I don't think either one of them combined ran for 88 yards. Maybe not even, though, definitely not against the Jaguars. They didn't even run for 30 apiece. Um, They might have been the Vegas game. Maybe I'll look that yeah. up and I'll be able to back up the words. And then Najee Harris. Well, that was a eight yards average per carry, a 22 long Jalen Warren eight. Every time he touches the ball, eight yards. I like that. That's a good thing. These yes. are great things. And he also um, caught three passes for 25 yards, 8.3. So every time he's touching the ball, you can guarantee about eight yards out of Jalen Warren. A lot of people are still going to bang the drum about 
Well, put him in ahead of Najee and stuff like that. And you still see sometimes it doesn't always work that way, right? And then uh, Najee, 16 for 69. Nice. 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 That's the magic number. And you've got to just think this is a byproduct of playing, of getting chooks out there, uh, out of the lineup out of, here. Out bench. of there. I mean, we were if talking I, about By it. the way, I, I want to hear the Sesame Street song or the Schoolhouse, wrong, Schoolhouse Rock song that tells me 69 is a magic number. Uh, sure we i'm gonna I, I might have made that song up in my head just now as you said that and, and i'm not gonna sing it because we'll get, we'll get into trouble <laughs> yeah getting in trouble hey uh jalen warren though uh with the combined 88 yards and with Najee harris having the 69 yards my friend uh calvin austin had another two carries for 10 his little sweeps that he does and they got 166 yards on 30 carries in this game. So uh, definitely the running game was getting there. There'll be some criticisms to, of the passing game as we go along. Some folks, maybe a lot of lot of kvetching over Kenny Pickett, who played this game with hurt ribs. You could say he was not 100%. Where was he? Was he 30%? Was he 69%? We don't know. Uh, I don't think there'll be any way of figuring out for sure of uh, just how healthy Kenny was in this game, but he definitely, um, he was definitely been aided these last couple of games. I know this uh, definitely went into uh, George Pickens stat line of two receptions for a minus one yard because uh, they were doing a lot of wide receiver screens, some things we really haven't seen a whole lot of. Maybe you saw a little more during Randy Fickner's tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers as the offensive coordinator, but it was more like a gripe with Todd Haley for all those years. It's like, geez, all of these screens. And I wouldn't surmise that the, you know, the Tennessee Titans had this amazing pass rush that they were coming into Pittsburgh with. But at the same time, um, this did kind of, uh, this is self-inflicted a little on George Pickens. There's some photos and stuff of that with him going around and he has the towel on his head. It was cold. It was a cold game. So he's got the towel on his head and he's upset that he didn't, um, you know, he didn't put up the stat line that Deontay Johnson finally scoring his first touchdown in like 20 games, 20, 21 games, 21 games, seven catches, nine targets, a 90 yards in the tutty. And, you know, he led everybody because no one else got close. There was three for 25 with Deontay Johnson. Kenny Pickett finishes the day 19 of 30. Someone on NFL Network actually called that pedestrian. That's 63% passes completed. I understand they were short passes, but this game plan was probably designed so, you know, we don't know the discomfort that he was feeling. We don't know if, what kind of drugs and that he had and whether that was anything that was in the mental aspect of the game, but he definitely has that collection. We know. Yeah. Here's here. I, I mean, this is not me chirping or, or saying anything I haven't been saying for a year and a half. Kenny is inconsistent, right? One pass. You're like, Holy crap. That's a great pass. The next pass is like, I'm sorry. Did your receivers grow to be 19 feet tall? <laughs> um, you know, it's the inconsistency that drives folks nuts. That can be improved on with footwork, with not getting the happy feet, with a better set of offensive line play so he gets more settled in the pocket. Hopefully all those things get improved on. The one thing that you cannot argue about is that in the waning moments of a game, if it's close and the game is on the line, he seems to have a knack for getting it done. That's been mm -hmm. demonstrated, right? 
it, yes, it would be nice if somebody could just whisper in his ear and say, I know it's really the first quarter, but psst, the game is on the line all game long <laughs> and, and see how that goes. I don't know it. You know, Kenny, he shows you glimpses of promise. He also shows you glimpses of being a guy who doesn't last, right? You, you see both things from him and it's, you know, the it's outweighed in my mind because of that clutch gene, because of that, because that's something you just, you're like, whoa, that's impressive. You, mm -hmm. you know, the game is on the line and you know, when it doesn't work is of course, when we're out of it, right. When we're less than a touch or more than a touchdown off the score and it's the fourth quarter, forget it. Now it's pressing again because it's not, if we get this score, we're going to win. It's we got to get multiple scores. Right. And, and it doesn't it doesn't seem to kick in the same way. But when you're within a touchdown and you need that score to win, it does seem like one way or another, you know, by hook or by crook, Kenny's going to get you that score. Yeah, that's great. Like I said, it's it, it's better than not having that gene. Right. <laughs> by far. But I get why some folks are totally out on Kenny Pickett and I get why some folks are totally in on Kenny Pickett. I see both sides of that, right? I am not out. I am not in. Right now I'm still going he's he's barely played a full season. Yeah, Give him time exactly. to grow. Exactly. Give him time to grow. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you on the it, you can't evaluate. I mean, you, if you did that with like guys like let's say Josh Allen, you would have been out on him already a lot of picks and stuff yeah. like that. It's not like Ben threw a lot of passes. Ben had the same clutch gene, a lot of backyard football moving around extending plays that added to his lore and legend until he became the pocket passer many 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 years later when Todd Haley forced him to stop running around and Bruce Arians stopped calling plays that got him absolutely almost crippled. Uh, which is where we don't want to see Kenneth Shane Pickett end up, obviously. Um, right. Yeah, the one, there was a couple of head scratchers, you know, obviously it, a couple balls sailed and there was one on like a third down. You're like, dude, on a third down, what was that? You don't know which one of these things is miscommunications. And I'm going to talk about Matt Canada here in a second. And I got some um, uh, ideas with that. Somebody, one of these callers into the post game was like, hey, he's got the John Elway gene, which is what I always used to say about Ben Roethlisberger. So Kenny already has six game winning drives. I'm not even sure that this was, has this been updated? Yeah, I don't think it has. Updated. I think it's wrong. I, I thought think it was it's seven. seven. It's seven. Yeah. Um, and I got a next gen stat for that. But over the course of a career, Ben Roethlisberger had 53 in how many seasons did Ben play? 18? 18. Was it 18? Uh, yeah, he played because Tomlin's now entering 18. So, yeah. um, so you take, uh, let's see, 53, let's see, I'll divide by the 18. That's about three a season, right? So he's already uh, on, on schedule for that. And John Elway himself had 40 and I wish I would tell you how many seasons somebody played. Um, see here, if I could do that. So pro football reference, uh, it doesn't say 234 games, well, but think, oh, we played 83 to 98. Just a quick math. He's in the 15 range, maybe one, two, three, four. Five, I think six. the only two guys who have more than Ben are Peyton and Tom Brady. And, and the difference is they played a whole hell of a lot more games to get them. Oh, that's absolutely true. And we actually, and I have something here with pro football focus when we like them. Um, we, I, no, can we stop? We never liked them. 
Yep. Sometimes we'll use them because they say something we agree with. Yes, this is but that, we never like. This, this is that case right here. <laughs> yes. Okay, we like this. Let's see. Um, and this isn't Sam Monson because he would never he say nev this. He never says anything. No, he's the Browns homer. Um, highest PFF grade in the fourth quarter slash overtime with the score within seven since 2022. Of course, Kenny Pickett's rookie year. Tom Brady has 0.2 points higher of a grade than Kenny Pickett. So Kenny, so Tom Brady's at 85.4 as far as um, grades in the fourth quarter slash overtime with the score within seven points. Going back to the start of you know 2022 being Kenny Pickett's rookie year. Uh, so Brady's at 85.4, Pickett at 85.2, Patrick Mahomes, 84.9. I mean, these are nice cherry-picked stats, but... I enjoy the bottom comment. Um, the one that says, since 2022, what a pointless stat. <laughs> but... And, and, and but, but what why. are you supposed to do there? Like, Kenny didn't start playing since 2021. Exactly. Like, you're trying to I'm, make the point that he is showing this now during his career. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's at the same time, it's the butt end of Brady's career, but it is still the prime of Mahomes' career. So, you know, it's, I don't, it's, is it a cherry pick stat? Sure, it's a cherry pick stat, but it is valid to show the point you're trying to make, which is that when, as we just said, when the game is within reach, when it's when it's a single score game, he finds a way. Yeah. Um, so I got something before last. This was before last night. This was heading into. I don't have an actual graphic that I could bring up for this. I don't think there's any way of showing this. That was graphic. Um, it is kind of graphic. I gotta. I gotta switch out maths with Brian. Give me a second. <laughs> oh, I'm so disappointed. This is, um, so, uh, well, that's one of them. Um, I could also say at five and three, the Steelers, here's one I could at least pull up in, in show audience while we're getting the other one set up, set up here. Um, at five and three, the Steelers are the 34th team since 1933 when rushing and receiving stats were first tracked, you know, when the Steelers entered the league, uh, 34th team to be outgained in each of their first eight games of a season. They're the only one of those 34. They're the 34th team. The other 33 teams all had losing records. And the Steelers are also the only team this season to be outgained in every game. And they've been outgained by, it's a minus 790 yards. Second worst only to the Broncos who have a minus 830. That's, um, that's pretty wild. And that's going to get a lot of people talking, a lot of people pissed off, a lot of people saying their jazz about how, well, you know, Kenny isn't whatever. You know what I mean? He's not the guy. Look at how bad the offense still is and this and that. Well, I've got one that came out of like the, you know, the NFL's media guide uh, heading into the Thursday night football preview. So teams with the highest winning percentages in one score games, and they, and they say eight points here. They want to reference that they could go for two. So eight points. Teams with the highest winning percent percentages in one score game since 2018. The Kansas City Chiefs are 33 and 16 with a 0.673 win percentage. That's just a little marginally better than the Steelers. 0.661. They are the second best to the team that's running roughshod, winning Super Bowls, and going to all these AFC title games. The Steelers are actually 38, 19, and 2 since 2018 
in these one-score games. So they have five more wins than the Chiefs, but also have three more losses and two ties on the record. The other two teams on this, by the way, Miami with a 6-4-3, and the Saints with a 5-9-1, and the Tennessee Titans 5-8-7. They're 27-19 and heading into the one-score games. Of course, they now dropped as a Steelers. Win percentage actually just went up. And they're just, you see the success of, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are... Winning a lot of one-score games, maybe not blowing everybody out. Maybe they're shootouts. We know their offense is definitely a lot more explosive, but maybe this isn't something to freak out. The other statistic being minus 790 yards and being on the positive side is a little more to This is This is what happens when you you have a defense that is opportunistic and and creates turnovers, right? They let – I mean, a perfect example is the last drive of last night's game. You let the Titans go and drive all the way down the field – Quan Alexander picks the ball off at the mm. end. Lots of yards. Lots of yards. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. points. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that is that has been a a element of the defense's play. And what happens in games where they don't get turnovers, where they don't get big plays, where they don't get sacks? They give up lots of yards and considerably more points. <laughs> so it is it is it is a recipe that works when it works, but it is not going to work in every game. Um, we we again, this is nothing new. We've said this repeatedly. You cannot count on de- on the defense to create turnovers every single game to bail you out of things, right? You just can't. They're doing it more often than not, right? But you can't. That, at some point, the offense has to take control and win a game. By by putting it yeah. away. More than one big series. We're going to yes. get to that because yeah. they went to the Heinz red zone four times yesterday. But just sticking on the defense and clamping down just a couple more. I must have been like um, Karnak the Magnificent or whatever from the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show. Because I wore the Alex Highsmith uh, jersey yesterday. Nice. And uh, two sacks. Uh, Alex Highsmith is on fire. You know, I've been pounding the gavel over over here. There were people that were enamored with fancier names like Jadavian Clowney or whatever. I said, this dude is just, he's overshadowed because TJ Watt is a generational player. And TJ Watt actually was pretty close. What, he had the one sack and he's crawling into a category too. In fact, that was on the same graphic. Let me bring that back up for a second. Um, TJ Watt heading into yesterday was is one of the players Third most right now, players with the most sacks in their first 100 NFL games since 1982. And this was 94 games. Now in 95 games, he has 87 sacks. He's a half sack behind his brother, JJ, who was in attendance at Aquashire Stadium as well. Um, Still has five yeah. more games to try and get it. Five more games to catch Reggie White at 105, which is probably impossible. Uh, the Minister of Defense, Hall of Famer. That's, that's like, like 18 sacks in five games. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but I can tell you who's – well, he's a little further down that list, not too far, but Miles Garrett isn't in that top <laughs> – isn't in that picture. So the arms are the sack race, and that brings me over to more next-gen stats from the official NFL next-gen stats uh, X or Twitter account. Alex Highsmith generated 11 pressures, 11 pressures against the Titans. S- pretty much tackled to the ground at one point too. Brian, maybe more than once. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, so nine of which came in matchups against Andre Dillard, who just had his hands full. That whole offensive line had their hands full. Highsmith now leads the NFL in pressures with 49 and win probability added on sacks at a plus 74%. He is, Miles Garrett, speak of the devil, 
I knew he was on there. That's why I brought him up intentionally. He's second on this list. So Alex Highsmith's at 74% as a win probability um, added on sacks. Miles Garrett's at a 61 and a half. So that just, uh, he's, he's playing out of his mind that he is like oh, 12 and a half percent more win probability added on sacks than even Miles Garrett is. And everybody is talking about okay. Miles Garrett. Put some spec on uh, Alex Highsmith's name. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just be honest and and make a comment that all our viewers are are making. The freak does that mean? <laughs> when added, I don't know. I just closed the damn tweet. I could tell you what it means. It says it. Gotta wait for it to do all the loading and tell me everything else. Uh, well, he just says he leads the with the pressures and then added on sacks. That's what it means. So I don't, that's not, but that's not what that stat means. What does that yeah. stat mean? Win probability added on sacks. So it means every time that he got a sack, it was his probability of winning and getting that sack, I believe, is uh, how you should be. Win probability added on sacks. Because they have a website, but uh, to try and find it on NextGen Stats website versus their Twitter is um, just, just ridiculous. Uh, there's actually somebody on Twitter that had this on here. <laughs> and this is pretty good too because the first commenter is like every defensive player that goes against Dillard joins contention for defensive player of the week <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy that which you know you go up against you can only go up against you know um, you, you go up against who you go up against right yep. so yeah I was trying to find a little bit more you're never going to find this we'll stable that for later somebody can drop it in the comments because we don't have time for me to do all of that you threw me for a loop, Brian. I was just I'm showing sorry, a cool just, stat, brother. Well, show that cool stat, and it was awesome. Yeah, cool stat. I got I got another one, and it's also for the defense. Since we're on the defense and the defense clamping down and doing their thing, Joey Porter Jr. lined up against DeAndre Hopkins on 26 of 36 routes. That's a 72.2% shadow rate. I noticed yesterday one of the changes Mike Tomlin had made Thursday night football was we're not doing this crap where somebody's just on one side of the field. They had Porter, they had Porter shadowing them, moving around. Uh, there's some other defensive observations, but anyway, 72.2% shadow rate, aligning and press coverage on 20 of those 26 routes. So 70, almost 77%. Hopkins caught just one reception for 17 yards on the five targets with Porter as the nearest defender. Joey Porter was in his back pocket all day long. Yep. This was, along with, we're talking about Cam Hayward coming back. It looked like he was on a pitch count at times. I noticed some other observations. Obviously, I'm very concerned that Cole Holcomb might be done for the year. I don't know what yeah. was discussed on television. I didn't get to rewatch the game yet. They did not show it again. They showed it once mm. on a replay because I don't think they knew what they were showing. I looked at the same replay they showed multiple times and it's, I can't tell, yeah. but I am sure if you, if there's another angle or something, the the way he reacted and the fact that Tomlin said a serious injury, mm -hmm. I think it's highly unlikely that Cole Holcomb is available the rest of the season, unfortunately. Yeah. He'd just come back from a knee injury. I'm not sure if it's the same knee, if it's the same type, I'm sure we'll have more details on that. It's kind of, at least the Steelers are able to weather the storm somewhat there with Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander. Those guys were all playing like all three of them 
really playing really well. You might get to see Mark Robinson now, but an observation that was made, and I mean, you, maybe you saw this, maybe you weren't able to see this based on TV angles, but did you see the three outside linebackers on the field at the same time? And they did it more than once. And did you see who it was? It was TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, and Nick Herbig. And then you mm -hmm. had Watt and Highsmith kind of floating around, almost doing the like middle. the cross dog. Yeah fire kind of blitz type deal and yeah tj getting held around the waist and everything like that but that was one thing that i saw um i i may have uh this may have been the very first game where the cloud of profanity that normally hovers over my home actually darkened and deepened uh <laughs> you know during the game i i have gotten so much better at not cussing out the refs for missing calls or being bad but the last two games the last two games have have taxed me beyond measure right um they they're taxing me oh yeah and, and and at one point late last night my wife was concerned i had woken up the entire neighborhood with the number of f-bombs and the volume with which i was spewing them uh at the at the referees in this game <laughs> yeah i'm getting there um first the snap counts Joey Porter, of course, the big major change officially ingrained as a starter, plays 95%, 70 of the 74 defensive plays in this game. Uh, that's very significant. He, I mean, what he did with DeAndre Hopkins, it wasn't like Will Levis's passes were sailing wherever either. Um, this was, I mean, he doesn't have, they weren't facing, what do you want to say, experienced competition, but on a short week and getting thrown out there and being a rookie against somebody that's, you know, 31 years old, DeAndre Hopkins makes it happen no matter who the quarterback's been over the years. Uh, the Texans have had guys like TJ Yates and you just name it, whoever, buddy something or other. There was, <laughs> uh, in the, in the real world job, there was like, there was a name the other day. It was like, uh, you know, Bob Robertson or something like that. I was like, that's a total made up name, but it's actually somebody who works somewhere that, you know, that we work with. And I'm like, no, that was somebody like, that sounds like, you know, um, uh, art Vandalay <laughs> or something yes. like that. But I'm and, an importer exporter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's who Deandre Hopkins had been catching passes from. And so Will Levis is probably better than maybe even Ryan Tannehill or having Malik Willis back there. I think the Titans are probably, they're all in and going to see what this guy is as they drop the three and five and good thing. The Steelers don't drop their third to an AFC South, probably one of the weaker divisions in all of the NFL. Um, but if you had to ask me that De DeMonte Casey and Patrick Peterson played a hundred percent participation in this game, I would have been shocked. Here's where Patrick Peterson was everywhere and toward later in the game. This is how they made up for the lack of not having Minka Fitzpatrick. Peterson was lining up more in safety and, and deeper in the backfield. Maybe that might fit. Can he be a player like Rod Woodson in the twilight where the Steelers didn't, they didn't try this with Rod, but maybe, you know, maybe Mike Tomlin or somebody looks at this guy's a football player. He's got enough left in the tank because a lot of times he's trailing and chasing and it just doesn't feel like he's the right fit as a, even a corner two. Like I said, you want him as a big, a dime backer or something like that, a utility type guy. And he played the whole freaking game. I mean, that's pretty incredible. So it shows that he's capable of doing this. Uh, Watt was out there a lot. Keanu Neal, Quan Alexander ended up with 86%, on, especially on count of the Cole Holcomb injury. Alex Highsmith, 85%. Larry Ogajobi, 68%. Keanu Benton, a uh, high here, 65%, 48 snaps. Cam Hayward, 41 in his return, about half the game played. Along with Levi Wallace, who had a very quiet, except for when they needed to call on him, 
he he played. I think better maybe in a, in a relief role. The one that will surprise you, Darius Rush signed off of Kansas City's practice squad straight to, as they have to, to the 53-man roster and lining up a lot in the slot as a rookie. What was he, fifth-round pick for the Colts that got cut and then on a practice squad with the with the Chiefs? And he played a, a played a surprising amount of snaps in this game. I was, uh, I'm not going to say necessarily that I was impressed because like he did, he had some of the, what do you want to say the jitters or the not, maybe not necessarily knowing a hundred percent of what his roles to be and where he was needed to be, but it's promising to see a lot of these changes. I mean, DeMarvin Leal was out there quite a bit too, uh, 32% of the game. You had Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk playing about 20%. Uh, Marcus Golden gets out there some. Herbig was really only the seventh snaps. Montrevious Adams gets hurt in this game and did not return to only played two plays. But I saw the focus in the defense. I saw where that ate you. You could keep teams from scoring a lot of points, and that's going to help this Steelers team. You look at this, Brian, aside from the losses, they gave up 30 to San Francisco in the opener, and that's an opener. 22 to the Browns, 18 to the Raiders. Another bad loss to Houston Texans, 30 points. Of course, some of that was late. Uh, still a very poor game. Only 10 points surrendered to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, 17 to the Rams, 20 to the Jaguars. Uh, their defense, what else do you want from them there? Like 20 points, right? And then 16 to the Titans. That, that's a, that's some winning football if this offense could get some things going. Four, that, well, absolutely. Yeah, four trips to the red zone. Did you think? That that was going to happen. I know we said preseason, but there's a lot of people talking about Matt Canada moving to the sideline and saying, well, Matt Canada's on the sidelines now, and that makes the huge difference. Have him on the sideline all the time. Now, I've got a little hunch of what I thought that might tongue-in-cheek be, moving him down. Maybe there's better communication. Maybe he's able to illustrate and coach better. Charlie Weiss spoke to at length when Drew Bledsoe got hurt in New England and he was the offensive coordinator moving down to the sidelines, he preferred being up in the press box, right? He moves down to the sidelines because Tom Brady's a sixth round pick and they have no star players on that New England team that you really know name brand guys. And you got Tom Brady. So now who's going to coordinate all of this with the young quarterback? Maybe that's where Canada needs to be. Or perhaps I saw some other guys with headsets and play cards and sheets in their hand, i.e. I think Mike Sullivan. I even saw Danny Smith roaming around a lot, but he seems to pace all the time, no matter where he's, you know. But uh, from my vantage point, I was like, you know, they're all hands on deck to make sure they could do something else with this offense. At least four, tri four trips to the red zone. Um, a little bit different of a game in terms of with possession. The Steelers win the coin toss, take it. I'm like, oh, why are you taking the ball first? We know this has been bad, and they score for the first time on their first opening drive. 10 plays, 83 yards. Uh, they do have two three and outs with the punts, and they don't have another three and out until deep into the second half, which is, we'll talk about running the clock out there. But they had another drive, 10 plays, 55 yards, 15 plays, 70 yards. These plays all start, and then another drive, 11 plays, 94, with the game-winning touchdown to Deontay Johnson. These drives started at, and I quote, the Titans' 10-yard line. That was 10 for 83. 10 for 55 started from the Titans' 11-yard line. The 15 for 70 started from the Titans' 12-yard line. And the 11 for 94 started on the Titans' 3. 
So the, the correct answer is just every kickoff, don't fair catch, deal at the two and take the ball from there and we'll play better because maybe that's the clutch gene gets kicked in because it's like, oh, crap, we're way back here in the two. Now we're going to have to be clutch and, and make any mistakes. I, 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 like they, it was a better. It's surprising. How much, it, how much of it is a better offensive performance by the Steelers? How much of it is the Titans defense may or may not be all that good? They have a very good defensive front. I question the entirety of the rest of their defense. Of course. But, but um, you know, it's a combination of those things. They still – so there's a couple examples here, right, of, of things that went on with the offense. Um, and why it is – why the, the statement that keeps coming back is it's not just all Matt Canada's play calling. It's also execution, right? So one play is the – what what clearly should have been a touchdown if George Pickens gets both feet down. Mm-hmm. He needs to execute that play better. He needs to be aware that his foot is going to go out. You just need better body awareness, better understanding of what you have to do, how you're going to attack that ball so that you know you got both feet in. It's not college anymore, right? Yeah. you got to yeah. have both feet in. Me, can I interject on that too? Yes. I mean, it looks like he's probably frustrated because he didn't get his foot in. And that happened in the Jacksonville game. Didn't have the tiptoe. That was a lot closer. I don't know if he closer. had enough he room He tried here. on that one at but least. He, yeah, he wouldn't have been, what, the minus two yards or whatever I said he had. What do you have? Uh, the two catches for minus one. He would have been on the positive side there. And then a lot of the folks that are, you know, ragging Pickett's numbers or ragging, you know, the a trip to the red zone with just ending in a field goal, there's your execution right there, folks. Uh, and that I don't know if that's on Kenny. But that's what I'm asking Kenny's, you because you're on TV. Not, it looked like there was enough room to get in. So there okay. is a play. I think it was a third down play. He's got Pickens running a crosser. Pickens is clearly open, and Kenny just flat out misses him. Right? You yeah. throw the ball in the right spot, and you lead him, and he's gone. I, he's not gone, but he's easily got the first down. Right? And I'm pretty sure that ended up in a punt. So it's not – yes. Know, the play call there was correct. It's a good play call, badly executed. Um, and there is, a, there, is, there is a combination of all of that. Was this a more solid game overall play calling-wise? I probably had less issues. I think the second jet sweep I was annoyed with, there were a couple of run plays that I felt were telegraphed um, and clearly obvious. I was – not enamored with the last three run, you know, run, 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 punt to try and close the game out. You get two first downs, the game's over, and the defense doesn't have to come back on the field. I was not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't expect you to throw the ball. I expect you to run it in a better way than you did. There, that's just poor execution to get the first place totally blown up. I they lose the yardage. Just a pain and just bad. I, I, I get, I get, the, I get the philosophy there. Um, they were still, they were north of the two minute warning. I think it was about, it was two Oh six or so. And so Tennessee had all of their timeouts. You got to get them to use their timeouts. Now, if this is Ben Roethlisberger and you still have like Antonio Brown or somebody like that out there, Mike Tomlin's got the big cojones and they're going to, they're going to air it out. They're going to get the first down. They're going to close out the game. Instead, Mike Tomlin's out over the logo here. The Steelers are out over the logo and you're looking at, if we end up punting, and we got to force a rookie quarterback to go 90 yards, and I've got the best defensive player in the NFL. And, you know, it, it just seemed like they were knocking on the door to first force well, a turnover let, let, at some point. Be but, clear, 
Yeah. I'm not I'm not arguing that they should have run it three times. Mm -hmm. I'm arguing they should have had better play calls. Yeah. The, the, that's well, what I'm arguing. There was no deception in what they were doing. No, and it's, it's okay no to run the ball, but you still have to run the ball in a way that the first play is not a loss of three yards because it's so clear where the ball is going and who's going to run it. Right. And again, run it to the side where you never, ever actually have any success instead of running on the side where you have. It's just I expected them to be a little more use use a little more of what actually works instead of not. It looked like the guy who was benched, Chooks Korfor, who comes in as a tackle eligible. And you yeah. know they're going to run when they're bringing this guy out on the field. Right. And it, it, it appeared that he whiffed, too. On oh, yeah. this. I mean, they're putting eight, nine in the ball. You know where it was coming. That would have been a nice little dump off play, but what, you know, you don't want a chance to what if and give them the ball in the middle of the field in what was, I, I don't, I, I'm 16. not saying again, yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. they should have yeah. thrown. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with the philosophy. I totally agree with what they're doing. You want to make the assumption that if you pin them back, your defense is playing well enough that they're not going to get down and it's not going to be a last minute, you know, 20, 20 years less than 20 yard pass towards the end zone to try and do it. Yes. Mass with Brian. Mass with Brian. You, I was doing, you want to do those calculations to determine the breath and the presbytery and the ratio of the success rate. I don't know why I just turned into Bill Cosby. Um, <laughs> oh man, don't turn into Bill Cosby. I know, I know, but... I know. Well, Bill Cosby before he got old and freaky. Um, <laughs> Wait so, a minute. We don't know. He might have been still like kind of like my been, age and freaky, been freaky too. He could have been freaky his whole life. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, the, the pudding pops Bill Cosby that everybody loved. That's what yeah. I turned into. Anyway, the I get it and I and I agree with it. I just didn't agree with the plays they chose to run. To they, I just did that that was my issue. It's not that I wanted them to throw the ball. I didn't want them to throw the ball. Um I wanted them to run. I wanted them to make the Titans burn those timeouts. All those things were correct. Mm -hmm. I just wanted them to run better plays. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a little nicer. I, that's where the Calvin Austin run didn't necessarily irk me right there. Because no. I'm like, do something, at least try and be creative. Just protect the football. And I don't know where Kenny was feeling at that point. You don't want anything to slip or uh, any, any of the above. Let me tell you, just finding Deontay Johnson, though, and then he had some opportunities to find Deontay uh, other times, Calvin Austin too, like right down the middle of the field. And uh, it just, uh, the Titans defender got his hand in there. So th they got things to clean up. I don't know how much of that is a guy playing with hurt ribs or whatever. And of course there at the end, like I said, it was the tale of like the last two drives. We're going to get to that. And just had to burn out those timeouts and, uh, you know, then just punt it. And, you know, you've got TJ Watt, you've got Cam Hayward out there. You've got some guys that are, that are the best at what they do and force a rookie quarterback to do something that maybe he's not capable of doing. And it really didn't look like during that final drive that he was going to have a, a whole hell of a lot of a chance to, I guess, um, have the same clutch gene. I thought for sure that Will Levis was struggling on the final drive. I thought he was struggling on the initial drive, the very first drive of the game as well. Um, both of those drives. Well, let me go back to the finish, the other thing, in the red zone. They get that other touchdown, and Pickens has his foot in. Flying saucers or something, Brian? Are they coming for you? I don't know. I don't know what that was. Yeah, That was so, a different kind of a notification. I don't know what that was. <laughs> 
Well, but, but, um, oh, what was I saying? Yeah. Pickens gets his foot down there. And then we're talking about what? Probably a 24, 16 final, maybe not even 16 points that the Titans should have. You've got both of those drives. We knew John, I didn't mention John Hussey in the pregame, but I mentioned him on a different show because of the 49ers and Cleveland Browns debacle. That was 25 penalties. That was the most that's the most still so far. And the bad defensive pass interference calls that led to the Browns being able to punch it in, get the game winning touchdown and give the Niners their first loss of the season. And this crew comes out and throws like four flags on this opening drive. Uh, and I'm here we go again. Right. And I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Uh, this is third, you know, um, what was it? I'm trying to see here. TJ Watt roughing the passer. The very first, like second play of the this, game. I will tell you that particular roughing the passer is more legitimate than the one the week before. Only because he did ride him to the ground. And they they will call that. The fact that they, again, it's still, it's consistency, right? The, the problem, I, all of my issues with the referees and the and the stinkiness of their abilities is has nothing to do with the fact that they call bad calls or good calls or they're perfect or not perfect. It is a thankless job. No one could do it perfectly. All I ever ask is you be consistent. If you're going to call the game one way, call the game one way. If that's roughing, there were a ton of other roughings. If if Joey yes. Porter's holding the very next series. Yes. Yes, if Joey Porter's holding penalty on is a holding penalty that was the most ticky-tack defensive holding penalty ever, then every one of them is a holding penalty. Call them all, right? Be consistent in what you're doing. It, when you are inconsistent, it is not only infuriating for the fans, but it is infuriating for the players because they don't know what to do. Yeah, they're helpless. And it's yeah. like, and here's that. That's exactly what I said. You know what? You want to call that a roughing? Great. Kenny gets nailed on the very next series at some point. Um, and maybe driven Harold to the Major. ground and the full weight on him with two guys. And they don't call it. Yeah, and with nothing. two guys and they don't call it. Okay, fine. You want to call the first one? Call this one, or don't call either of them. Don't pick and choose which one you want to call. Exactly. Absolutely, just it's just awful. You have Patrick Peterson tagged with illegal contact on that same drive just shortly after that. Yeah, no, the two uh, Patrick Peterson calls—they were pretty. It should have. <laughs> um, I want to say that the one, maybe not so much, but that Porter call at the end—that was fourth, that was that was total bullshit. I'm sorry, yeah. it just was. Yeah, total bullshit. I mean, just what was that? Fourth and eight, or no, um, fourth and seven. And incomplete, nowhere near DeAndre Hopkins. And that was just two guys playing it out. And it was crap. that was toward the middle of the field. And the flag comes in late from a side judge, whatever you call him, back judge, side judge, probably side judge. Rolls it, looking at Porter's back after he makes a play. Porter's already heading off the field toward the bench. Nobody in their right minds, even Hopkins. Hopkins wasn't even gesturing. He was just kind of like, man, damn, that's the game, you know? And they extend this. By the same virtue, though, they were extending this first drive. You also had, okay, Porter got tagged with a face mask, but you should have never gotten to this point to begin with. Steelers also shouldn't have allowed yet a fourth and one right at the right at the 49-yard line, direct snap Wildcat Derrick Henry, right? 
So they had some problems here where you had, um, what was it? Another one uh, where Porter's defensive offside and then illegal use of hands. And they tagged him with both. And I will say, yeah. Joey Porter played a, a really good game, but listen, you need to go hang out with pops and learn how to tackle. <laughs> and not you, well. the one, there were a couple that were not good, right? But the one where he literally danced around the receiver all over the place, trying to figure out how do I grab him? What tackle the guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to disagree uh, with you. And I guess uh, something circulated that he lipped or said to uh, DeAndre Hopkins to sit down at one point. <laughs> Which, I, I, I am fine thought, with him being all fired up. Yeah, and, be a dog. Having the attitude. Be a dog. Get in people's faces. Have you have to as a defensive back, right? You have to have that sass. Plus, you're a porter. You have to have that. You can't not have that. You are a porter. Um, what are you looking for? I have my Joey Porter jersey in here somewhere. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> He's gonna go get it now. As we're almost wrapping. This is who you are. This is who you are. Yeah. Wait, wait. Joey Porter Jr. You're a porter. Have the nastiness. Have the sass. Have, have the mouth. Say things to, to annoy the other team. Get into a fight. I don't care. You can do all that stuff. But tackle. <laughs> well, I'm going to say one guy. I don't know what happened or we'll ever get an explanation, but Broderick Jones and then that leading to that last series with the kickoff and everything. Um, where did that actually, that drive actually start from? The 47? Or no, that was the Steelers started at the 47. Tennessee, let's see. Um, at their 15. I'm trying to see where it was. It was after the touchdown, right? They got to play. Oh, they got it at the 48. And I'm all over the place, but this was with about four minutes left. Steelers go up 20 to 16. Broderick Jones gets into some type of fight, gets called for a personal foul. Uh, you know, they always catch the second guy on these things, and he looked hot. And by the way, I pulled up that one image here. Uh, I don't know if it was within this series, but TJ Watt got this one sack without a helmet. Yeah. He did. Well, <laughs> what a hands to the face. Yeah. Um, and I mean, look, it was it was it was funny. You you could watch the progression of of this game. TJ is just blowing up everybody on that side, and all of a sudden there are three guys. He is being doubled and chipped on every play, and he can't get near. You know, he's still disruptive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons that Alex Highsmith had a game. Not the only one, because Alex Highsmith is great. You and I mm -hmm. both have been saying that all along, but. They had to occupy TJ so much because they just they were they were barren in the cupboard for offensive linemen. If they lost any more, they were going to have to have Henry play offensive line. <laughs> yeah, they were, and and sometimes people are like, "Well, they're playing backups," and it's like, "What do you think you're asking the the coaches to do in Pittsburgh? Like, get this guy off the field like Chooks and play somebody else." I won't say Broderick's necessarily a backup. He's meant to be seen as the future of this offensive yeah. line. I thought it, the impact he made. Get Pat Fryermuth back in this mix, and it'd be nice. Connor Hayward, pretty nice game. Uh, Darnell Washington finally got him involved with the pass. This next to last series, though, was a was not a three and out, but it was one of those analytics things again because you had Traylon Burks ran a left end. It was like, oh, the Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing, and it's like, jet sweep. But then Derrick Henry gets tackled uh, for only a one-yard gain to Landon Roberts, and then they try to get Tajay Spears on another run on third and four, probably knowing that they were going to go for it anyways. And Patrick Peterson fills in 
Um, like I said, very playing nice. that yeah, play, nice, playing yeah. like from a safety spot there and uh, just fills in the gap and stops him for no gain. And then you had uh, Levi Wallace in coverage and something that was very scary with Burks. They went for the home run and it was like kind of like a head scratcher. Um, I mean, if it was there, but I don't think it was there and the ball definitely wasn't placed anywhere where, well, if you're gonna if you're yeah. gonna throw somebody at somebody, you're gonna throw at Levi Wallace. Oh, I I don't disagree. Or you're gonna test the rookie with Joey Porter, but you're also realizing I, over the course of the game that that's not working. He's so like as you as your stats you showed, he's shutting down DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Yes, he had safety help a couple times. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins is a superstar receiver, right? You're going to sometimes have to need help, but for the most part, he followed DeAndre Hopkins all over the field, and DeAndre Hopkins was not an impactful player in this game. Right. Just that's the that's so they learned quickly go someplace else. You're not I think I think it's gonna be very soon. They are not testing the rookie. They no, are it's already there. Not, I mean he picked yeah. off Lamar. Um DeAndre Hopkins targeted eleven times, only four catches for sixty yards. There was a it got a little scary there at the end because it was extended. Good on the fourth and seven where Hopkins shouldn't have made anything. And they thought that Porter got handsy and that has been a critique of his coming out of college. Fair it enough, but bullshit call. Uh, this yeah. was like, let's extend the game and get some more people, some more wing orders at, at, at Buffalo wild wings. And Will Levis was not very sharp here. He should have been picked off a few times, including Darius rush a couple of plays later. Uh, and then I think actually Levi Wallace and the ball was knocked away. That might've been the first one. Uh, and he went after uh, DeAndre Hopkins right there and Hopkins knocked the ball out of Levi's yeah, hands, uh, at least two other opportunities to pick it off. And it's like, Oh, in this game, put the nail in the coffin here. And then finally Quan Alexander gets it at the very end and uh, puts this away because they were down in the red zone. The Steelers uh, 19 yard line with the third and five. You're just yep. like, oh man, if they get another first down or something out of this, like anything could really happen. You're keeping this team around. So it, it necessarily not the, it's not always pretty when it happens, but I'm going to take those four red zone trips as a, a moral victory here, a short week, how they were able to do it, whether it's Canada on the sidelines, whether we think there's other input between Kenny Pickett, Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, Mike Tomlin, whatever it might be. Uh, Broderick Jones playing as a right tackle. Give me all of that. Inject it in advance because the defense is capable of keeping this game, keeping these games tight. You're going to get Pat Fryermuth back. You're going to get Mika Fitzpatrick back. You've got kind of a mini bye week here where they can maybe uh, transition and still work on some of these other things that worked well, clean up the stuff that didn't. Maybe Kenny heals. I thought Kenny was accurate, you know, preseason and everything else. I was like, holy crap, like where he puts the ball. You look at it at training camp, but something hasn't been right. And maybe he's been playing banged up, hurt, fearful, happy feet. Maybe he doesn't have to look over his shoulder as much. And we talked about if they could have moved Dan Moore over. It just so happens that moving Broderick Jones over ended up being the fix, at least momentarily. So yeah. Um, Brian. Joe. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for joining I'm, I'm us. Always, it's always, always better to join you on a, on a victory Friday. Victory Friday. My, my, my wife, my wife came up with this. She's like, you guys should have made millions of dollars by making the victory Friday shirt to go with the victory Monday. I'm like, well, then you got to have a victory Tuesday and you even have to have a victory Sunday because they could play on Saturday as they do later this season, you know, or Wednesdays, a victory you, Thursday. The one you might time. even have to have a victory Saturday now that there's a black Friday game. Right. And I'm like, you know, this victory Monday is common. That's why there's a victory Monday. Right. All the other days, no. But my, my wife thought that was a million-dollar idea. 
um, but I don't think it is. <laughs> don't say that too loud. I know she, well, she doesn't. She doesn't. She only watches occasionally. So, uh, and since I'm about to go to Brno, if she does watch, I can. I'll be gone, and she won't be able to yell at me that much. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Uh, programming notes. Maybe spotty coverage next week. Brian and I are both out of town for uh, the Packers game. So if we come in a late again, it's not because of the outcome of that Sunday. It's just because both of us aren't going to be able to get on the same page and get a show together right away. Uh, hope to have a pregame show for Ian's sometime next week before all of that transpires and we're in the air and going wherever. See, I'm going where there's palm trees and beaches. I don't know if you've got that where you're headed, my friend. So There's there's definitely no palm trees. I, I There could be beaches. I don't know where they are, but they'd probably be around a lake. <laughs> That's okay. But, hey, Thank you once again, um, jumping on and this is a, it's a, it's an unusual, it's a, it's a Friday and it's a victory Friday and we'll take it. Steelers are five and three again, maybe not the prettiest thing, but you've got to look at it this way. Kenny Pickett, He should have had two touchdown passes in this game. He had an 88, two rating. He gets that other one and Pickens gets his foot down. He's over a hundred for his quarterback rating. No turnovers was untouched, not sacked. As opposed to Trubisky was getting crushed and threw three picks. It's all the world of difference. Uh, maybe Kenny doesn't get hurt in that game. Maybe some things are different. I don't think so, but I think it's a catalyst for maybe some of the changes. I don't know, man. Maybe they just threw everything at the wall and said, hey, we're going to be four and four. Let's try it now, and we'll see what works. And then we got a whole mini buy, and it's like, by God, it worked. I, don't, yeah. I, I can't pinpoint just one specific thing. I'm not going to tell you that it was perfect, but I'll take the dub. So. It, is, it is a new meme that the – Steelers are how in the world are the Steelers five and three? That is it's like even Pittsburgh dad, who I enjoy watching, is like, how do we keep winning games? <laughs> and they do. So it's good. I'm not yep. gonna complain. No, no. I, I'd rather they win than lose, right? That's that's where I'm at all the time. I will take the W's no matter what. And we showed in those close games. If you didn't catch it earlier, you kind of just zip zoomed around. We had statistics with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Steelers are second in these one score games since 2018 as far as win percentage. And they continue to find ways to get it done. The Chiefs did too. And that's like, you know, that's their Mahomes era basically started uh, right around then. So um, I'll take it. I would love the success that they have. Brian, thanks for joining us. Folks, thank you for watching or listening wherever you might be. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And until next time, we encourage everyone out there to be safe, be good, and we'll catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com. 